I'm going to be teaching about the body of Christ today, anticipating this. We, we talked last week about uh, stirring each other up. How many, how many stirred something up this week besides uh, fussing with each other? <laughs> Stir up good works, you know? Just do something good for somebody and, and uh, to encourage people and, and uh, to uh, make them uh, feel better about themselves. You know, one of, the, one of the best things you can do when you're really feeling down about yourself is go make somebody else feel better about who they are. Because that'll make you feel better about who you are. Amen. <laughs> so we, we as, as the body of Christ, we stir each other up. We encourage each other to good works and to, uh, uh, to, to actually empower people's lives to be free. And uh, I, uh, Benign Natalie, uh, the other night, they... Uh, uh, they've got restoration connection. They reach out to uh, homeless. They reach out to people uh, that are trying to re- drug addicts and people that are recovering from drug addiction. And, and uh, it can be just a revolving door trying to minister to people like that. But the other night, they, they went down uh, to a Simmering House. Uh, they worked all day long fixing uh, supper, Thanksgiving supper, for um, all the people that, at Simmering House. And I mean, they showed up, they went and got their families and everybody showed, you know, everybody showed up and, uh, they, it was a lot of work. It was very difficult. They started at nine o'clock that morning. They didn't, they didn't, uh, get finished till 10 o'clock that night. And, uh, but they said during the, when, during the time of, of the dinner said the people were sitting there crying and saying, we feel like we're family. This is, this is like family. You've made us feel like family. And, uh, and people were just crying. The people that run the simmering house were, were crying. They were all just, it was an emotional moment. And the reason was it empowered them to be able to open their heart and experience something good. Amen. Just to experience something good. And that humanity is very closed off that today. I mean, we have a hard time experiencing something good because, because we're, we're too anxious about the bad stuff that's following it. You know, something bad's always going to happen, you know? And uh, I, I saw somebody put a post on Facebook about how God blessed and all this stuff. And, and somebody right after that put a, another, you know, a response to it and said, yeah, it was awful. It was awesome. But the, of course, the devil was waiting right there to attack us. And I thought, my goodness, do we not, do, do we not believe in Jesus we got so much faith in the devil. My goodness. Let's, let's stop giving him so much credit. Amen. The devil might have been there to attack you, but, but you had warring angels all around you. You had the armor of God on you. You had the blessing of God on you. I mean, if God be for us, who can be against us? What's, what's the devil going to do? Amen. Praise God. Laugh at him. <laughs> Hide behind Jesus and laugh at him. Let's, let's look in our, in, in our word today to Hebrews chapter 10. Oh, man. Thank you for being here today. Praise God. Just made my day. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. It says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love 
and good works, not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Stirring up love and good works, and not forsaking the assembling of, your, of ourselves together as the manner of some as, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see that day approaching. There is exhortation. There is good exhortation, and there is correctional exhortation. Both are necessary. Amen. We, we are very resistant to, to uh, some of our, our behavior, our statements, or things like that being corrected. And yet it's very necessary. You know, the people that excel are the ones that can take correction and put it to use and not get offended at the person doing the correcting. Come on. People get so offended today if you tell them they're not doing something right. And this is how you do it. Well, of course you're not doing it right because obviously you don't know how to do it right. So somebody has to instruct you. And then there's good encouragement. There's, there's exhortation where, where you can tell somebody they're doing a good job, that, you know, I love you, you're a good person, stuff like that. But every once in a while, there has to be exhortation. Now listen to me. If you're going to exhort somebody in a type of correction, make sure that you have the race, relational authority to do so. Don't just walk up to somebody that you haven't spent time getting to know and tell them that they're doing something wrong. You don't have the relational authority to do that. They're not going to receive it. They're just going to get mad at you. They're going to get upset at you. Amen. You have to establish relational authority. In other words, you have to, they have to know that you love them enough for them to open their ears and listen to you and, and realize that you care about them. Amen. Praise God. That's good. I, I do that on jobs that I'm on. If I, if I hear somebody running somebody else down, I usually interrupt that. And I'll say, now listen, we're here, we're here to get a job done. And, we're gonna, and running each other down isn't going to get that done. And you respect that person's work and leave them alone. They're doing their job. You know, I had the other day I had somebody uh, criticizing another another worker. They were contractors actually, and they, and they were and this one contractor was criticizing this other contractor, really running him down. And I just stopped him. I said, "Hey, listen, that's none of your business." I said, "You do, you do your job. He'll do his job, and all you're responsible for is what you do." Okay, and this talking behind people's back and running it down, all that does is kill morale. You're not making yourself look better by, by making him look, look worse. So it's, it, I would, and I did this in front of all the managers, in front of everybody, and I said, this is not what helps a workforce. I said, this does damage. And for whatever reason, I had the relational authority to do that because they listened to me. There's not... <laughs> There are not too many part-time employees that can bring correction to a whole job. <laughs> I don't know. Sister Betty tells me I'm, I'm so bossy, and I tell her, I say, look, honey, God gave me this gift. I'm responsible to use it. 
<laughs> Woo, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so, some people appreciate it, some don't. But it says, forsake not. We talked last week about stirring up, but I want us just to look at this word, this verse, because it's a battleground today of assembling together as a church. It is, it is a battleground. There are those that are absolutely preaching against it. I, I really don't know what they're, they're wanting to accomplish. And just to be honest with you, this isn't just because I'm a pastor, but be honest with you, I believe that it is the infiltration of Satan to try to divide and conquer to try to weaken the body of Christ where we can't get along, we don't like each other, we're segregated. And so if we're all in our little protective uh, bubbles in our own homes, then we're not going to be effective. We're not going to be able to do what God called us to do. And so it's important, not only important, but we are commissioned and advised together, together as a body of Christ. So it says, let not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together. In the Living Bible, it says, let us not neglect our church meetings, as some people do. In the NIV, it says, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Amen. Understanding our, our, our position, understanding the gathering together. Now, group dynamics is what gets most people. We have a hard time with group dynamics. You see that, you see that at family gatherings. You know, we, every year we have a big uh, Thanksgiving dinner, and, and we, my dad's side of the family, and, and a lot of times we'll, we'll have over 100 people at that dinner. And, and, but it always amazes me because when it's time to eat, everybody goes to their segregated family and sit together. They don't mix. All the families end up gathering at their own tables. And a lot of times I'll, I'll encourage them. I'll say, hey, why don't you sit with somebody? And this year I just went and, and sit with ra in random places and, and tried, to, tried to, you know, mix things up a little bit. But we, we, we have a tendency to group. All of us do that, okay? Everybody has a tendency to group. In church meetings, there are going to be people that group. And to fight that is to just simply waste your time. Because we will be grouping. People will group together, okay? It's, it's not factions. It's not schism. Now, now, if people are grouping together against each other, then that is schisms that the Bible talks about. That's factions. That's, that's people fighting against each other. That's where church splits come from and, and upheaval and all that kind of stuff. But we will always group. We group with people that have common interests. We group with people that we feel comfortable around. We group with people that we are relational for. You know, I... I, last last week, now I'm, I'm not trying to criticize you, but last week at the end of the service, I said, I said, now I'm going to ask you to do something real uncomfortable. I want you to turn around and pray for somebody. And I noticed everybody tried to find somebody that they were familiar with. You know why? Because we feel vulnerable. We don't like the group dynamics. We don't like to feel vulnerable. We don't like to feel like that we're being put on the spot, and we don't know if this, people, this person likes me. We don't know what that person thinks about me. What if they don't like what I'm wearing? What if they don't like my hair? What if they don't like what I pray? What if they, don't, what if they just simply don't like me? 
and that's our attitude. But when we turn that around, we realize that we actually don't like that person as much as we should, or we wouldn't be wondering if they don't like us. Come on, somebody. I dig deep into the cerebral cortex of everybody's person because I understand what makes people tick. I understand what makes people work, and I still get confused. God's given me a lot of wisdom and understanding into, into how we think and, and what makes us who we are, and, and yet I still, I still get confused, and I get confused in myself, and, and I'm constantly saying, what is wrong with you talking to me? Because I found out one thing that is absolutely true, and that is if I come to the place where I understand me, I will understand everybody else so much clearer. Amen. And I won't be put off by them because I will realize why I respond and why I react to people in different ways and, and why people make me feel uncomfortable and, and why sometimes I feel awkward around some people and, and, and why sometimes, it, you know, Betty says I never met a stranger, but the fact is there's times I feel awkward around people. Burns me up. I can't stand it. You know, a lot of people just go hide in their shell, but for me, I get, I get aggravated. It's like, what? How'd they do that? What, what was that all about? Why, why would I feel awkward around that person? What, what was it about them that made me feel insecure or inhibited? You know? Because that's just not the person I am. You know, I, I, in, in, in talking with people that struggle with, with interacting with people, I try to teach them how to own the room. Okay? I'm just going to, you know, give you a little Snyder psychology here. If you learn how to own the room, you never feel like you don't belong in the room. Amen. So if you walk in feeling like the room belongs to everybody else, then you won't feel like you belong, and you will judge the reaction of every person in that room toward you. They didn't talk to me. They didn't shake my hand. This person gave me, this person looked at me like they could kill me, you know. Well, they probably just had a pain in their stomach or something, you know. And you, you took it personal. But what it is, is you are literally judging every person in that room, saying in your mind that they are judging you. When the truth is, you're the one being judgmental. Why? Because you don't feel like you belong because you haven't taken possession of your world. You've got to learn to walk in a room and understand that everybody in your bubble is in your bubble. Amen. I'm not in their bubble. They're in my bubble. I own this bubble. Okay? And so when I walk in, then you're able, you're able to greet people without inhibitions and without feeling awkward why because you don't feel like they're going to reject you because how could they reject you because you're accepting them and if you're accepting them it doesn't matter how they react because you just did what you did because it came out of who you are amen y'all grabbing hold of this See, the only way that somebody can make you feel like you don't belong is if you really don't believe you belong in the first place. 
in the body of Christ, you belong. Let me just clear that up. So when you come to church, you belong. Okay? When it's time to worship, it's your worship service. I'm going to worship the Lord. Amen. I've had people come to me and say, you know, Pastor, I really need you to do something about this thing, and it's really distracting me. What people are, these people are doing this, and these people are doing it, and it really distracts me. And I tell them, I say, well, why are you looking at them? Are you not supposed to be worshiping the Lord? Instead, you're worshiping them. You are putting them in authority over your life to determine whether you're able to worship or not. Oh, come on, somebody. Some, sometimes we need to just hand out blinders. You know, so we, we can just pull them things down and worship the Lord. Woo! Glory to God. Forsake not the gathering or assembling of yourselves together. Why? Because we are the body. It's not about just coming to church. We are the body of Christ. It says in, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22 and 23, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he gave Jesus to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. In Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 13. Turn there with me real fast. Real fast. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 14. I've, I've got to, I try to stop and, and let you all find where you're going. Because I, I, once, I, once I get this train moving, I can't hardly slow it down. It says, for as many... For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. You know, if you stop and really think about that, it really takes care of a lot of this stuff because we are members of one another. We are members of one body and yet we're many, but we're members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in ex exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another and with brotherly love, in honor, in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. So there's a, there's a real good definition of what it takes to function in group dynamics. The body of Christ, when we come together, there's group dynamics. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has a personality. Everybody has something to give. And we have to learn to accept from one another what God has put in us to give. And so the group dynamics is this. 
I have, to, I have to give what God's given in me, but I have to be willing to receive from others what God has put in them. And then when it all is boiled down, we have to learn to honor Christ in each other because he is the head. I am part of the body of Christ because Jesus is in my life. He saved me. He redeemed me. He made me part of his body, and so he placed me. We are the fullness that fills all in all. Now, you segregate the body of Christ into, into individualism, and all of a sudden, we're not the fullness that fills all in all because we can't, we can't accomplish anything. We can't do anything. Yeah, I had somebody here a while back just really coming down on me about church and, and, and how church isn't even, you know, what God wants and all this kind of stuff. And, don't, and we're not supposed to have to go to church. We don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and I don't have to come to church. And, and why is it that everybody else sits out there and faces you, and you're on the platform and all this kind of stuff? And, and, and I just cut them off. I said, how many people have you fed? How many churches have you built? How many missions works have you established? What have you accomplished in your individualism in your living room? You've accomplished nothing except supporting yourself. But when we come together as a body, we become a powerful unit that can literally shake countries. Amen. If, if we've accomplished in this little church, if we've accomplished what we've accomplished in the last few years, just think what we could accomplish if we were twice the size of what we are right now. And if we doubled in that, just think what could happen if we were linked up with so many gifts that every need gets answered. Amen. I can't answer everybody's need. I can't supply everybody's need. I, I don't have the power or ability to do that. But I'll guarantee you there is somebody in the body of Christ that has what you need. Amen. If you're, if you're struggling financially, there are people in the body of Christ that are successful financially, and you need to start learning from them. If somebody drives up to church in a much better car that you would love to have, don't criticize them. Find out. What's making them successful? <laughs> Emulate. Because obviously they got something that they know something you don't. Matter of fact, walk up to that person and say, would you please pray for me? Because you can't have what you don't honor. Amen. If somebody's being blessed working in the gifts of the Spirit, walk up to them and say, hey, I want you to pray for me that God would use me. Because when you honor a gift, you receive the gift. You receive the reward. Amen. Jesus refused to come into his ministry until he first honored John the Baptist, who God had established before him. Amen. I'm going to have to hurry. My battery is going dead. I don't know why I didn't notice that. In, in the book of Colossians, uh, chapter 1, verse 19, for it pleased the Father for all, for it pleased the Father for all the fullness, this is an amplified Bible, for all the fullness, which is the deity, the sum total of his essence, all his perfection, powers, and attributes to dwell permanently in him, the Son. 
Now, I want you to think about that. All of that goodness, all that power, all the attributes, all that essence is in Jesus, who is the head, who we are connected to. So all that essence, that perfection, that power flows from the head into the body, and he distributes through us the goodness that he has to offer. Isn't that amazing? Amen. I thought it was. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. There, I feel better. Praise God. <laughs> Discerning the Lord's body. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 through 30. This is, this is about the Lord's Supper. We read it all the time, but I want to I read the part that we, we don't read very much. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in a way that is unworthy, now this is an amplified Bible, that is unworthy of him, will be guilty of profaning and sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. But a person must prayerfully examine himself and his relationship to Christ, and only when he has done so should he eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without solemn reverence and heartfelt gratitude for the sacrifice of Christ eats and drinks a judgment on himself if he does not recognize the body of Christ." That, that careless and unworthy participation is the reason why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you sleep in death. Now, a lot of us, are, when we read this, we're thinking about the little wafer that we eat. But I want to ask you something. What is the body of Christ? One of the reasons to, to eat and drink unworthily is, is to eat and drink this without recognizing and discerning the body. In other words, when we, have, when we are individualistic and we are resentful and, 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 and we do not accept the body, then we are weeding and drinking unworthily. In the, in the first parts of this verse, before he talks about the eating, drinking the cup and eating the, the, the bread, he talks about, he says, you, you get here and everybody runs in and grabs their food and eats it, and you don't care about anybody else. What he's talking about is selfishness and individualism. So he's saying you come in and you're selfish, you just care about yourself, and you won't, all you, you're individualistic, you're not of the body, and so you come in here, he said, that's not right. And then he goes into this thing, and he said, look, this is why many of you are sick and many die because they do not discern the Lord's body. I want to just make a statement here. You, can, you, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but you cannot be a Christian and resent the body. Can't happen. Because if you're a child of God, you are part of the body. If you can't stand the body, then you are no longer part of the body. Okay? Well, this goes against popular, popular belief. You know, I'll go to church anywhere I want, anytime I want. I, don't, I won't go to church unless I want to go to church. That's the attitudes that people come at me with. You know, especially since, since I'm, a lot of times they find out I'm a pastor. First thing comes up is I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. See, the reason people don't want to go to church is because they can't tolerate people around them. They can't tolerate other people rubbing on them and making them feel like they're less. Because there's always going to be somebody there that makes you feel less. 
group dynamics. There's always going to be somebody that's better than you at something, looks better than you, has nicer clothes, or just simply makes you feel intimidated about who you are. And you're going to be resentful, not want to go back, because somebody made you feel less. The only reason they can make you feel less is because you do not discern the body that you are belong to and that you are part of the body. You belong to the body. And if somebody there can do something better than you, you ought to say, "Woo! thank God I don't have to do it because they're good at it. <laughs> and just let them work. Let them do what they do, you know? Yeah. Praise God. And I'm going to have to do this. The rest of this from memory because my iPad just went dead. It's all right. I could, I could, I could preach for five more hours without, without the iPad. I, I promise you. When we understand our place in the body of Christ, we no longer feel like we need to separate from the body of Christ because we understand that we belong. We understand we're attached. We're a piece. We're a piece of the puzzle. And, and we bring our part to the body of Christ and, and, and to that piece. I want you to turn back to uh, the book of, of uh, Colossians with me. I want to read a couple more verses in here. In Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 19, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. You are not reconciled to the church. You are reconciled to Christ. We are part of the body of Christ because we belong to him. We belong to Jesus. Amen. There are a lot of different types of the body of Christ. There's a lot of different names. There's a lot of different people. I like to, I like to run with all of them. If, if you believe that Jesus Christ is a Savior and, and through his blood you can be saved, then, then I'm going to run with you even if you don't believe in everything that I believe in. You know, I, I get really tired of the arguments. I, I can't stand to argue. One reason is because you want to start arguing with me, I just want to win right, right away. I mean, you know, I, I don't enjoy arguing because, because it, it just delays the, the, the uh, it's, it's, just, it's just delaying the imminent because I'm going to win. When we, when we, I shouldn't be so vulnerable. Tell on myself all the time. When we understand the body of Christ, I run with a lot of people that, that have differing beliefs than I do. I never ask them about their differing beliefs. I just want to know that they love God. I want to know that they love Jesus. I want to know that they want to build the body of Christ. You know, that's, that's what I care about. I don't, I don't care, you know, if, if, I don't care if they're pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, all-tribs. <laughs> I could care less. If you believe Jesus is coming today, I'm with you. If you don't, if you believe Jesus ain't coming until after the first tribulation, I'm with you. If you don't, I'm just ready anytime he comes and I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep worshiping God, but I'm not going to get involved with your tribs. Amen. That's been, argue, that's been argued so much that I actually heard one preacher here a while back say, say that, that now they've, they've the um, is actually Marilyn Hickey. She said. She said. She began to say that you know Jesus was coming back three different times. <laughs> it's like okay, 
you know, we, we gotta, we, we can't, we can't figure this thing out. So we, we, we've got to just, you know, be all inclusive here. The fact is it doesn't matter. Are you part of the body of Christ today? Are you doing what Jesus wants you to do today? Amen. Is he the fullness? God put all the fullness in him. In chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. When you're connected to Jesus, you are complete. You have everything you need. You're not lacking anything, and you need to just grab hold of that. Just because you don't have something somebody else has, that's okay. Maybe you're not supposed to have that because that's not your piece. That's not your part of the puzzle. Amen. I thank God for, the, for all the, the gifts and the anointings. And, you know, I listen to people like Stephen Furtick preach, and, and I, I sit there and listen to him, and I think, man, I wish I could do that. You know, because he just, he, he, he draws you in and then just, just like, boom, throws you the punchline right there, you know? And it's awesome. I love to hear different ones teach. I don't feel competitive with them. I thank God for them because I can learn through those people. You know, they, they, show me, they show me a piece of God that I, I wasn't able to see. All churches have a divine revelation. The problem is we try to build our group around that divine revelation, and we reject all other divine revelation. The fact is we all have a piece of the puzzle, and, and we need to learn to share the pieces of the puzzle together. Amen. I've, I've preached in all kinds of churches. I've preached in, in Jesus-only churches. I've preached in, in uh, um, second definite work churches where, you know, sanctification is a second definite work, like being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've preached in churches that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've preached in churches that believe you have to be baptized to be saved. I've preached in churches that don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. But one thing that I've done in all those churches and the, the way that I've been able to take part in all of them is because all I know is I love Jesus and I just want to lift up Jesus. I don't want to argue and debate with them about their, their, their little isms and schisms and, and all this kind of stuff. I had one guy come to me in a church down in Arkansas, southern Arkansas, down by the Louisiana border. I was preaching a revival down there and he came to me after I preached on John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were created uh, by Him, and without Him was not anything created that was created. And, and you know, beautiful verses. You know, just, and, and I preached my best to just talk about, you know, Jesus and, and lift up Jesus. And this guy come to me after church, and he said, Preacher, we got a problem. He was one of the elders in the church, and I said, I said, what happened? He said, can't have you preaching them oneness messages, them Jesus-only messages in our church. And I said, I didn't know I preached a Jesus-only message. He said, that's what, that's what the oneness, those are the verses the oneness church uses. I said, so we can't use them? 
He said, that's, that's not, we don't, we don't, we don't preach out of that because that's what the oneness churches use. I said, but, but it's Jesus. That's what he said. That, you know, that's the gospel. He said, well, we don't want to sound like the oneness church. I said, but what if we, what if, what if we just take it as ours? What if we stop dissecting the Bible? You know? What if we stop taking pieces out of, out of the Bible? And I've had people call me up and say, are you, are you Acts, uh, what is it? Acts 328 or something like that, where you baptize in Jesus' name. And I say, yeah, we do everything in the name of Jesus. No, are you? Are, you know, and they want to know specifically. I said, well, yeah, we, we believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. We believe in Jesus. We, you know, we, you know if, if you want to, I'll baptize you in, in every name that's in the Bible. Because somehow it gets back to Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? But we, 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 we don't like group dynamics because we get these strong feelings and beliefs, and those beliefs become who we are. And if somebody doesn't agree with our belief, then they're not agreeing with us. They don't like us. And so we have to separate from those people because we don't belong to those people anymore because they don't agree with me. That's a shame. That's a disgust in the body of Christ. I just had the privilege of, of, of past, or teaching Methodist pastors. And they ate the word up. We didn't have one disagreement the whole week. Not one. Not one time did we have to stop and say, no, that's not our doctrine. You know why? Because I didn't teach him doctrine. I taught him Jesus. I taught him, I taught him life, how to live. Yeah. Amen. And it, it, it stirred their hearts. They got a hold of it because I wasn't trying to teach them how to, how to back up their doctrine. You know, most people look for a church that will back up what they believe. What you need to do is go to church to find out what you believe and study the Word of God and let God open you up. Now, one time did we have a disagreement because I was teaching them how to live in Christ. And when you get back to just living in Christ, all of a sudden there's not really much to argue about. Amen. God's good, the devil's bad, and most people's ugly. Just, just get it over with. We all have bad sides. We all have good sides. We all, we all have strong beliefs. We believe this. We believe that. We don't believe that. We don't believe that. And, and next thing you know, the body of Christ is splintered, tore apart, segmented into all, all little different groups all over the place with lines drawn, walls built. And, and we have a hard time getting along with each other. And the devil stands back laughing because we are the greatest force on planet Earth. And yet we can't uh, utilize that great power and force because, because we can't get together long enough. To, 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 to do damage to the kingdom of Satan. And yet the kingdom of hell is very disciplined and very unified. 
When you read in the Word of God, the devil holds a very tight rein on his demons, and they do exactly what he says. They are unified. Matter of fact, Jesus said, a kingdom divided against itself will fall. He was talking about the kingdom of Satan because they accused him of casting out devils by the power of Satan, by the power of Beelzebub. And Jesus said, if a, if a kingdom divided against itself can it, can it stand? In other words, he was saying that the, the devil don't cast itself out. They're unified. They, they work together in unison, and they have, they have levels of degrees. They have levels of authority. Sometimes you deal with the privates. Sometimes you deal with the generals, and they have levels of authority. In the body of Christ, we've got to learn to get together, and we've got to acknowledge those that have been called to be generals, and we've got to acknowledge those that are privates, and we've got to, we've got to work together as people that are, are unified that we can, do, we can do damage to the kingdom of darkness. We have one goal, and that's lift up Jesus. I like what Ryan Hart Bonke said. His 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 vision, his 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 foundational statement is: We are here to populate heaven and empty hell. Oh man, if we just get a hold of that. If we just get a hold of that, praise God. If, if, if we could just get past that and just realize that we are the body of Christ, members together, we're going to rub on each other. We're going to irritate each other. I guarantee you're going to irritate each other. You know why? Because we don't all, we don't all see eye to eye. We don't all have the same gift. We don't have the same personality. But we've, we've got to start honoring those differences. What, one of the main things that I teach in, in relational uh, teaching when I'm trying to reconcile marriages is learning to honor the differences. You've got to honor the differences. You're, you're not going to be alike. You know, when, when people say, well, we ought to get married because we've got so many things in common, I say, well, that's a boring marriage. <laughs> if you're too much alike, you're going to be bored out of your mind. You've got, to, you've got to have somebody different than you that challenges you, that, that makes you... I realize you're going to end up doing, liking the same thing. I mean, Miss Sister Betty's been married for 40 years. We don't even have to talk most of the time. We've got this mind meld going on, you know. We, we know exactly what the other person's thinking. We, 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 you know, one of us will say something, and the other one will say, yeah, I was just thinking about that. You know, you, you, and, and you end up liking to do things together. We, we like to do things together. Both of us love getting out and riding on our Harley. I mean, that's just, that's heaven. Angels sing. Mm -hmm. Because they travel with me, so they're singing. But there couldn't be two people more diverse and opposite. We took personality tests one time, and, and you could take those, you know, on a scale, and you could take those and flip them upside down, and we made a whole rectangle. Because she was very, very strong 
in areas I wasn't, and she was weak in the areas that I was very strong in. And you could turn that thing up. When we got to look at the graph, you know, it, we flip it upside down, it made a whole rectangle, made a whole piece. And, and yet somehow we get along. You know why? Because we love the differences. We like, we like the, the fact that we are different. And the body of Christ has got to get to the point where we love the differences in each other. <clears throat> You can never grow until you start enjoying being challenged. Amen. The body of Christ, I'm closing. That means I'm actually thinking about being quiet. The body of Christ a lot of times is, is like my two little granddaughters last night. One of them, they got this rocking horse at our house, you know, it has fur on it, you know, and everything, and, and it makes noises like, ee, and all that kind of stuff, and, and they both like it, and so my, my four-year-old granddaughter, Aria, she had it by the reins, and she was pulling it. She was pulling it out to where she could get on it and ride it. Well, my younger granddaughter, my youngest granddaughter, she likes, to, she likes to compete with her older sister on anything, and they're, they're almost the same size. And she likes to compete. I mean, you know, she's very competitive. And she saw Arya pulling that. And when she saw that, it was like, yay, opportunity. And she took off running, jumped, and mounted that horse in one leap <laughs> and was on it. And, of course, Arya starts pulling, saying, no, Ava, no. And, and Ava was hanging on to, it's got these little wood things. He was hanging on to that. And I walked over there, and I said, now, listen, Arya was going to play with that first. She had it first. And, of course, Ava just grabbed hold tighter and said, no. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you're going to share. So I grabbed hold of her. And as soon as I grabbed hold of her, she tensed up. She got hold of those handles, and, and she wrapped her legs around that horse. She, she's not going to let go, and I just, I just started pulling her. I peeled this hand off, and then I peeled this hand off, and the whole time she's screaming, fighting, absolutely not. She's not going to do that because Arya has something that she, you know, she wants it, and she's competing and, and, and all that kind of stuff, and, and so she starts screaming, and she's fighting, and I'm, I'm trying to hang on to her, and she's hitting and kicking and screaming, and, you know, it's like, it's like I got to hold this wild cat, and I'm just, I'm just doing like this just trying to hold on to her, and she's just screaming and fighting and kicking and carrying on. And so Arya gets on the horse real fast, and she's riding the horse, you know, because she got, she got what she wanted, and she's riding the horse. And I put Ava down. Ava starts running for a place to hide. She's got to get away from the authority that just got on to her. <laughs> well, if, I don't, if, if I'm not describing the body of Christ today... <laughs> I mean, I put her down, and she starts running to every, every, trying to find a place to hide and get, you know, where she could, where I couldn't see her because she didn't like me anymore, and she was upset at me, and she just kept running and running, and she couldn't find. She'd try to get under this, and she'd try to get in, get in that, and nothing was working, so she ran into the dark bathroom and got right behind the, the door face, you know. The door was right here. She got in behind it and standing like this, and I just stood out there. And pretty soon she peeked out, and I said, I still see you. <laughs> Back in there. So then I snuck up, 
and was right at the door like this. She peeked around there. And she goes, Whoop! and jumped back in there real fast. And I told her, I said, you can hide all you want to, but you're going to learn to cooperate. And so I just, I just kept standing there watching her. Aria's over there riding the horse, riding the horse. You know, <laughs> Sissy's getting in trouble, and I got the horse. <laughs> you know, Papa loves me. I love Papa. Oh, the pastors, I mean, Papa's being nice to me. Pastor's on my, Papa's on my side. And then next thing you know, finally, Ava comes out of there. She's fine now. Gets on this little toy and starts riding it around and everything. She's, now, now it's all over with. She's fine and, and everything. And then, and then pretty soon, Aria gets off the horse and said, Okay, Ava, I'm finished. You can have it now. And I said, Ava, do you want to ride the horse? Yep. She's a little tiny thing. She's got this real low, gruff voice. Yep. And I said, okay. She runs over there. She gets on that horse, and she's happy because now she's got possession of that which Aria used to have possession of, and now she's so happy because she has got her way. And she's rocking that horse, and she forgets to keep her feet on top of it, and she gets her toes underneath the, the, the wooden things, and she rocks right over her toes and smashes them. And all of a sudden, she was broken-hearted, hurt. And I went over and picked her up, and then she, she put her head into my shoulder, and she just cried and cried as I held her. She didn't fight me this time. She wasn't trying to hit me, wasn't trying to kick me because she was hurt. Now all of a sudden, Papa was useful. Papa loves me. And so I consoled her. But that's the things that we go through, and it's a shame that we as a body of Christ don't learn to do like those kids. Because after all the squabble was over with, there was no more mention of it. It was done. It was done. They had opposed each other. They had fought with each other. The very thing the youngest one was wanting that she couldn't have ended up hurting her. And Papa was there for her. I want you to think about Father God. He's our Papa. And how many times does he watch this stuff go on? And sometimes he has to peel us off what doesn't belong to us so that we can get a hold of what does belong to us and then when we finally get what we're demanding that we, we got to have, it ends up hurting us. But he's always there, isn't he? He's always there loving us. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I thank you for the body of Christ. I love the body of Christ, Lord God. I love all the differences. I love all the gifts. God, I love all the personalities. Lord, you've brought together an exciting, sometimes chaotic, but very effective body. And Lord, I ask you to help us, Lord God, to realize that we need to connect each other because 
of Christ because we are connected to the head and we're all one body so we have to we have to work together because there isn't two heads there's not three heads not four heads there's one head and there's one body and father I thank you for that today thank you for it father thank you father praise God everybody stand up with me if you would please <laughs> 